I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually, they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. <laughs> Are you though? I'm Dr. Redmond. I'm sorry. You forgot what show we're talking about. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, we're, we're in a bit of a tilt because we are here for the last episode. Yes. Uh, the last episode <laughs> ever. This, this, it was really hard watching this episode. It should have been called grief, at least for the viewer. <laughs> I know. Oh. But hey, uh, one good sign. Uh, he's not in the episode, but we are told that Mark is fine. Yes. And he's not going to get killed by, by the soldier guy because we already... That didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> They're not going to spin around and do that. So if they were ever going to... I mean, if they did have... So I would think that they didn't know whether they were going to have another season, so they kept Mark alive. Well, yeah. And also, you know, it's like... Because uh, he had shot the pilot for uh, Alias at this point, and I'm sure he wanted to hedge his bets about yes. whether he could come back to this show. Because when they were shooting this, they don't know if Alias is coming back. No. They don't know if Touching Evil is coming back. Or exactly. They don't, know if, they don't know if Alias is going to get picked up, and they don't know if Touching Evil is going to come back. So it's just, it's just smart to hedge your bets. Yeah. It's like uh, the guy who, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, that story I told the other day about the guy from Batman Well from the Tick, who, uh, you know, kept begging them not to kill him off on Lost, because yes. he was never a cast member on Lost, but he's like, yeah, but I don't have another show to go to, so yes. just please don't kill me off. That's all. Yeah, just, just please, you know? Anyway, the important part is, and I, I can't maintain this enough, it's like... The closest episode since the original, and by original I mean to the original since the pilot. I think that's fair to say, right? Oh, I, I thought, I thought, geez, they're really you all know, they did almost, here. I mean, they am bracketed I it with two equal episodes, like two almost word for word episodes. Yeah, they're incredibly close. Yeah, like the scripts are incredibly close. All they did. I mean, not all they did, obviously, but like the majority, I would say, of what they did is just uh, removing scenes. They're they like, removed scenes and they changed the nurse to an anesthetologist. Yes. Uh, and, they, and they cut out all of the stuff about how she quit jobs all, or she was a doctor, but she quit jobs all the time so she could follow yeah, the doctor around. Exactly. You know? But it was clear enough what was going on without all of that extra stuff. So yes. you didn't really need that part of the story. That's uh, adding. No, it is. And the thing is, it just shows you how much of that original was extraneous stuff. Yeah. Because they're able to cut that stuff. And if you didn't know it was there, I don't think you'd have noticed it. No. I really don't think you'd have noticed. Like, because I'm watching this and I'm honestly thinking, does it feel like anything is missing from this episode? Uh, no, all they've done, really, and this is why this is a much better show than the original Touching Evil is, they have changed the ending, which completely uh -huh. changes the context of I, everything that happens. Uh, yes, and Dave comes up as a much better human being. Yes, Dave's not a monster in this one. <laughs> He's not in it. Well, because, I mean, and, and it's weird... 
that I'm going to try and say, uh, that, um, that one line and one interaction can define the entire show and how it's different from the original, but I am about to say that. Yeah. And, and I know that, you, you, I think you know what I'm going to say, yeah. which is Dave's interaction with her and saying that it basically, if I didn't care about people, why would I have come back? You know? Yeah, exactly. If and there wasn't it, anything in the world worth being a part of, why would I be here? Yeah. And that is such a bold statement of purpose for the first show about serial killers. Yeah. It really is. So, okay, you, you felt exactly the same way, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, I did when he, when he said that, you know, and the fact is, is that he tried, and it was so nice to see him try and stop her from doing it. Yep. She did it anyway. Yeah. Couldn't stop her. But, but he tried. He tried to stop her. He did everything he could yeah. to try and stop her. You're like, oh, wow, this guy is a much better character. Uh, yeah. Not only is he just a nicer person than the Dave Cregan of the original, which we knew right from the start, but yeah. he's just such a fully rounded character yeah. in ways that the original wasn't. Yeah, it was very stick figure-ish in the original. Yeah, he was just a bad cop. He was just a cop who was a tough guy, and you know we re we we spent three seasons of television trying to figure out what's uh, going on with this guy. And spoiler alert, you never find out. Nope. Whereas here we learned all about what's going on with Dave right in the first episode, and he only became a richer character going forward. Oh yeah, no, I I was I was watching it and. Well, well, yeah, okay, I've seen this before because of the story, but it was like the story was, eh, I don't need to. Yeah, I mean, it's, we've already heard us review this episode. And, and, and this, and, but this was so all of the, all of the characters, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I was, I was quite pleased with all of this. I, I, except I was so sad. Like there was this pall over. My the watch. whole episode, because you realize watching it, there's not going to be any more of these. I'm not going to. All the things that we had said last week about yeah. the possibilities of what they could have done with these characters. Yeah. You saw characters changing. I was really concerned whether or not Mark was going to stay alive. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and but all of them had, we, we have been talking the last few weeks about what they could have done in the next season or the next 13 weeks or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and the serial episode was so good last oh, week. Oh God. Yeah. And, you know, so that I think put a, just put a poll. I couldn't enjoy this episode the same way I enjoyed the, the episode. rest of them. Cause you know, it's the last gasp of this yeah. show. And the only thing I can say about that, it was a really, there is that, that discussion why would i have come back yep right number one and then that whole end scene oh was was with just him and susan with him and susan such right? a perfect note to end the season on yeah you know just 
you know, there's there's no sense that they're attract like, you know, yeah. like I think that they were trying to create the idea that is this a flirtation <laughs> thing? Like what's going yeah, on? There? Yeah, yeah. No, no. She just puts down his collar and he looks at her and says, How long have you been wanting? Oh no, as she walks away, yeah. he says, How long have you been long wanting long you to been do wanting that? that? <laughs> his ridiculous popped collars. Yeah. And he's and he's he's smiling. Yeah. Like he suddenly realizes that okay, the death, whatever that was, he did have a choice. Yeah. He could have not come back. Mm-hmm. After all, it was 10 minutes. Oh, and, yeah, exactly. Like, so, that's that's as bad as anyone has ever recovered from. I mean, I know there's, like, historically, like, people who have been dead for an hour in freezing water and miraculously come back. But it's, like, practically speaking, that's the far end of what you could ever, ever expect to come back from. Yes. And, um, but yeah, it's uh, like, like he, he made a yeah. choice. At least yeah, he believes he made a choice. He made a choice, which means what he's thinking is even if he didn't make a conscious choice and God only knows, we don't yeah. care. Um, it's that he is now saying, okay, I'm glad I'm back because yeah. I think that throughout the whole effort, the whole 13 episodes, if you have to look at it that way, that's what he's been wrestling with. Yeah. About why am I here? Why am I here? My, you know, I, 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 you know, he was, he's been reveling almost or no, afraid of his losses. Yeah. All the things he wasn't. He's been obsessing over that part of it. He could start over again. Mm -hmm. You know, he would just have to start over again. And just accept it. So the grieving process is now over. Um, he can now start building a new life. Yeah. And he hasn't been able to do that up to this point. I was just so happy with the ending of this, except that I wanted to know what was going to happen next. I know. The, and <laughs> I, I, mean, like, I know it's crazy to say, but it's like, it leaves all of the characters in such a good place. Even the the guy who normally does their, you know, tech work. Yeah. Gets to shine this week. Yeah. Or as, as Dave says, geez, it's nice to have a, what, what did he call him? A gopher? Yeah. Who knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> perfect away. Dave moment. Yeah. Just a perfect Dave moment right there. You know. No, but it's it's so great to watch because you're like, all of these characters, we're figuring out who everybody is. Everybody gets some good moments. Yeah. You know? Uh, we're in this weird position because the character who served Mark's role in the first two episodes is now serving Jonathan's role in the rewritten scripts for these. <laughs> I know, it's weird. I think in the second season, once they were completely writing uh, like their own scripts, they would have had time to figure out exactly who that character was. <laughs> but it's yeah. not good if you can go from being Mark to Jonathan over the course of ten episodes. It does not show a sign that your character is heading in the right direction. Oh, well. Never mind. I know, I know. They didn't get a chance to. And all we can do, all we can do is review what they did, not what they could have done and what they might have done. I understand yeah. that. Well, but it's yeah. hard not to think what if. Well, it is a what if. and But I just don't, you know, it's almost like I don't want to even critique this show. 
Like yeah. this could be a very short episode. No, it's it is going to be shorter than a normal episode because there are so little differences to talk about in this episode. Yeah. The key is the last five minutes of the episode are yeah. completely different than the last ten minutes of the original episode. Yeah. And those differences, not only do they change every ever how you're supposed to think about the episode, they they provide this beautiful statement about this is how you should think about the whole show. Yeah. Like it is, it is closure in a way it's, I mean, it was just intended as closure of the first season, but it is a beautiful statement that it's like, yeah, you know, this is all for something. Yes. And Dave is getting better. He is getting better. He is. And that's the thing. He's not getting back what he lost but he's learning to build new things. Yes. And that's that's what you have to do. It's kind of a it's a beautiful way of looking at the world. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I know it's uh, might sound might sound like I'm overselling it, but I, I feel it's kind of inspiring. Oh, the I, message I, they I, have this I time. just I just thought it was I mean, yeah. It's inspiring. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I it's really weird that I don't, other than to say, I mean, I, I mean, I still didn't like the way everybody handled the, I mean, I didn't, you know, the red herring. Yeah. I get it. No, I mean, it, they cut a lot of that out, but it just. They cut out most of how they uh, treated that guy. You're absolutely but, right. But then it goes back to what I always say. You give him an ending. Yeah. And it wipes out any of the. Any of the misgivings the, going into. Yeah. You know, and I. That being fun. said, I will say in this one, they changed the guy's behavior just enough. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. To make it seem like he, like, it's less their fault that he got killed because it's more this guy who's an obsessive stalker is yeah. actively choosing to kill himself. Yes. So that he can, because he thinks she did it. And yeah. he's trying to clear her name by killing himself in an obscene romantic, what he thinks of as a romantic gesture. Yes, it's very bizarro. Oh, it's very yes. bizarro. But I, I will say, like, it it changes how you look at the cops compared to how they treated yes. him in the original. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, the, the, the British original, eh? These, and all of, and I, that's what I said, you didn't like any of them, but none of them really stood a chance. We ended up liking Mark simply because everybody beat up on him. Yeah, you know? because he was their perpetual victim. Yeah. yeah so how can you not be on his side when everybody else is so terrible and all they do is bully Mark? Yeah. How can you not be on Mark's side? Yeah. You know, but that was all. I mean, all the rest of them, you it, you ultimately didn't care. Whereas here I'm going, I can see potential for these people and Jeffrey Donovan is such a good actor. He's so good in this. You know, I don't because... I don't think I'm it's out of, you know, bounds to say that I think he could have gotten himself an Emmy for this. Yeah. Had it been allowed to continue. I think I think so because if people had been watching it because I because I think about Burn Notice. Yeah. Right? And he's a just a different character in her. Completely movie. different character. Completely different character. A lighter character. Oh, a yeah. USA brand character. So <laughs> call it now, but very much, very much on the USA brand. Yes. Yeah. And he is brand safe for the USA audience. Yeah. 
and you know is the best I way mean, to look at it yeah and you see his because his it, it's really funny okay let's do this usa thing okay because first of all it, it's really hard to know how well this was shot because we're watching the dvd and we're, I, we're no we're watching that's the crazy part. We had to go to the internet to find this because it's not available anywhere. And what we are watching, and the thing you can track down if you look for it, and I'm telling you to look for it, it's a good show, is someone taped this on VHS tapes. That's what I mean. The, well, you said DVD. Oh. oh, sorry. Which is very much not what we were watching. No, we're someone watching taped this on VHS and manually cut, like, pause to cut out the commercials. Yeah. Right. Well, that's Back what we day. always did. I know. You know it's, that's day. how you watch. That's how you record television. You get an extra 15 minutes per episode for your tape. If you, uh, that's the difference yeah. between getting six and seven, ep- six and eight episodes of TV <laughs> on a <laughs> single tape. Like, and hey. that's at, that's at the, the, the slow, that's the least. And that it's the, that's at the worst tape quality. On yeah. the highest tape quality, it's, you know, one and a half, two and a half episodes rather than two. And sometimes three, depending on how long the show is. But the point is, we're not made out of money here. And it costs you, like, it costs you, if it costs you $3 every time you want to tape a couple episodes of television, you start thinking about that. Because $3 in 1990 is like $10 today. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, and we taped a lot. Oh, my God. Oh, did we tape. Oh, God, because, spoiler alert, we understood that this stuff, you weren't going to be able to see it again. Yeah. That's how TV used to be. If you missed a show, you would never get to see that show again. And if you liked a certain episode of the show, because, spoiler alert, if a show didn't get to 100 episodes, this, that syndication threshold, that show would just disappear into the ether. Yeah. That There would be no way to watch that show again. They're endless shows. Hey, uh, do you do you remember the days and nights of Molly Dodd? Oh, I remember it was on. I didn't like it. It wasn't a good show, but it had a but John Glover yeah. was on it and he was very entertaining. Yes. Has I a was... lot of really great John Glover content on it that you can't watch today. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, it was it was a super popular soap opera that lasted two years. Well, I mean, it was so hard that you couldn't find soap. Yeah. How um, would you watch so Moonlight? Crystal and Moonlighting. This is what I'm saying. Moonlighting That's was this soap. pivotal show. Didn't make a hundred episodes, so it did not get regularly syndicated. Blame Sybil Shepherd. Yeah, well, that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. <laughs> for once, for once, I'm going. No, it wasn't Bruce Willis's fault. No, no, that one, that one wasn't on Bruce Willis. But uh, it made it made it made him. It made him a star. Yeah, it made him a star because out of that he just took off. After that, he got like he was making moonlighting, and they convinced him to do Die Hard, and then boom, and that was boom. And that was it. Because yeah. you saw he could do both light comedy and romance and be an action star. Suddenly, yeah. you had this man who could do anything. Anything. Yeah. Oh, Including absolutely. Including produce. This show to, to spin it back around, produce yeah. a really solid 13 episodes of television. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it's like, and I'm so glad at least one person sat down and taped this show because otherwise there would be no way to, for us to have found it. Yeah. And it, it is, it is, um, 
it really, it's, I just, when I think of this show, and again, it goes back to my thing about endings. Yeah. Right? Even it's 13 episodes, and it is bleak, and it is dark. Oh, and then we'll get back to where I wanted to get back to. Please, please, please. Um, it's, it's that it ends so well, and you, you, it's so nice to feel some hope. Yes. Because at, for example, at the end of Criminal Minds season, that season 15, where we never knew if we were ever going to get another one. I Thank know. you, TikTok, to all those girls who have watching been, on TikTok uh, and making their remixes, doing their remixes. Yeah, and, uh, doing fan cams of Matt Goobler. <laughs> yeah, I don't care what it is, but thank whatever you. got us our show <laughs> back, we don't care. Yeah. We know it's up to them. It wasn't up. To, it wasn't us getting that show brought back. It was them doing it, and we will always appreciate them for it. Yep, and uh, you know, but it is, um, you know, I mean, it, even that ending was very unsatisfying. Oh yeah, except it, in places. So. You know, I mean, very few shows have satisfying endings, and this was a satisfying ending for something that you wanted to continue, and it was only 13 episodes. Yeah. I mean, it did give us an ending, and yeah. I think that that was a deliberate thing. It was like Babylon 5 at the end of season 4. Yeah. Did, when they could have stopped know. here. Yes, yeah. it could if have stopped here. If we had to, there. we could have stopped here. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's... And I think that that's something to do for an audience, unlike Crusade. Yeah, but Crusade was such a disaster. I know, but I wanted to know what was going to happen to Galen. We all wanted to know what was going to happen. Gary Cole. I mean, we, we love Gary Cole here. I will tell you, you need to watch the new NCIS. Cause and just watch Gary Cole. And just watch you. Let me tell you that he is back in full form. Just watch it from the beginning. Because what has happened is the new season hasn't started for NCIS. So they ran like I, because it just started taping in September again on my PVR. And so I was sitting there and I'm looking. What do you mean, Paul? You know, what do you, okay. So they're running some really old ones. Okay. So they were running old ones with Mark Harmon. Right. And, um, Weatherby, Michael Weatherby. Weatherly. Uh, or, yeah, Weatherly. Um, and Kate, the woman. Wow. From the first four seasons or three seasons. Yeah. yeah really That's really old. old. Okay. And I watched that and I got, God, Gary Cole is so much better. <laughs> he was. I mean, honestly, you know, in in so many ways. He, no, I mean, no, no question. If you ask me to choose Mark Harmon or Gary Cole, yeah, you know, six days a week and twice on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Obviously, every time. We just talked about. We just had a whole conversation a couple of months ago about how, like. Cracker would have worked with Gary Cole starring in it. Yeah, yeah, it would you have know? worked. American Cracker could have worked fine with Gary Cole in it now, because he had that level of being, he can be sleazy and he can be magnetic at the same time in a way that Robert Pastorelli just couldn't manage. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And what happens with the 
Mark Harmon, I will say that Mark Harmon developed so that in the, the last few seasons, in some ways, he was a much deeper character. Yeah. And um, he did retire. I mean, it, it, I mean, he slowly just retired off the show. Right. And something bad happened and the FBI was after him and they sent Gary Cole up to get him and Gary Cole said, oh, stuff it. And now I'm going to take not, over your job. No, no, yeah. I'm not going to take in. And then the boss, um, Rocky Mark Carroll, Herman, suggested Carol oh. yeah. hire Gary Cole. Gary Cole says, I don't really want to do it. Yeah. Like he was fired by the FBI. Of course, for being too nice to Mark Harmon. Yeah. So um, he said, I don't really want to do it. And, and so get, Carol goes, well, you know, can you just take over while I look for somebody? <laughs> Meaning, can we chat? Can we test you out for the audience and see if the audience expects you accepts you as the star <laughs> of the show? And the answer and is, he, yeah, of course, of course. And he he just, as they say, bolded out of the park. It was uh, well, yeah. I mean, I will never. I I honestly now believe. I mean, I, I've been wrong before, but I honestly now believe, and this is the one thing I would like to ask Gary Cole in an interview is, did you shoot any scenes as Mel Prophet or were you fired before they started filming? Like, were there Mel Prophet scenes in that first episode, Independent Operator, and then they fired you and they hadn't cast Kevin Spacey yet, and that's why there are only Susan scenes in the first episode? Because I would like to know if sitting on a, you know, a reel of tape somewhere, there is Gary Cole as Mel Prophet. Well, I would love to see Mary, Gary Cole as Mel Prophet. And again, I maintain that I think it would have been, yeah, been very different. And yeah. I think, honestly, like I said at the time, I think the reason they probably found didn't work is now you got three tall guys standing next to each other. You yeah. know, you don't have that complete change in authority of physicality of this little weaselly guy who's running this empire yeah i mean and and yes but it would have meant we wouldn't have had to make any apologies yeah no we would not have to constantly <laughs> do apologize to people for this being one of our favorite season arcs in the history of television okay <laughs> you have to put up with watching kevin spacey and no one wants to watch kevin spacey but it's worth it to watch this this is, 12 episodes. And I, I, for everything else, as a horrible, as sleazy guy as he is, I think he was always sleazy. I mean, I yeah. always kind of, you know, he gives off this vibe anyway. But, yeah, you know, um, God, he was a good actor. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really is. And it's this beautiful story of it. Like, when you look at it politically and you say they are retelling Iran-Contra, right? But what if Smedley Butler had been there instead of Oliver North, a guy who actually, you know, what if there was a guy who actually had principles and understood that what America was doing was evil? Okay, so let me get back. Please. Okay, let's let's get back to doing our comparison in, of in between Touching Evil and Monk. Yeah. Now, they are two guys. Mm -hmm. Massive trauma. Yeah. Mental illnesses. Yeah. Right? I mean, they both, they both have mental issues. They have blocks. Severe. They have severe blocks. Yep, both of them. Yeah. Now, I guess, and, you know, so I'm going, but it's just the subject matter, somehow or another, no matter how horrible those 
the things that Monk sometimes had to watch, you didn't, yeah. he wasn't, it, yeah, it was just such a different. Well, an interesting show. thing about Monk is they, they suggest that he sees everything through such a firm OCD lens. I mean, now we would say he was autistic. Yeah. Uh, we, we did not have that language at the time to talk about Monk. But no. right, he is so, right, he is so locked in a certain pattern of how to do things. Yeah. We would now recognize him as being on the autism spectrum. Uh, and it got worse. And of course, therapy and being around having his wife allowed him to learn many coping skills that got a lot worse when she died. Yeah. Particularly, it would have been bad enough if she died of cancer, for example. Yeah, but the fact but that it was yes. a crime that he couldn't solve makes it turns it into a hook that makes him lose all confidence in himself. Yeah, and not only not only that, it I mean, he blamed himself because he thought the bomb was for him. Exactly. And as we find out at the end, yeah, spoiler yeah. alert! If spoiler you spoiler alert, it was bomb. Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson was the killer. Everybody, and, it wasn't and Tim Curry was. at all. It was Craig T. Nelson. And it was to kill the wife. And it was to kill the wife. Yeah. Yeah. It was specifically. It was specifically about her. And by the way, they're they're talking about just doing a reunion movie. Ah, nice. Yeah. Everybody well, would come back for are they going to bring movie. Sharona back? Well, yeah, of course. We Everybody have... would come back for the reunion movie. Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I don't care. I mean, yes, the, I watched it all. Yeah. You know, from beginning to end, because it's on Vision, so I could PBR yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Commercials. So you load up the episodes. I get it. I loaded up the episodes and I watched it, and it is a really nice, nice show. And even, I mean, Julie is fine. I I can't Natalie about Natalie. Excuse yeah. me, Julie's Nat the daughter. Her daughter's yeah. Julie. I can't really complain about Natalie. You just prefer all. Sharona. I just. Sharona was just Sharona. I mean, so I was bad. I was always a Natalie person. You were always a Sharona person. I rewatched the whole show last year, and you know what? I stand by my choice, but I really like Sharona too. I'd have well, been fine and, and happy if she so never left. Glad. I was What's... so glad that she ended up with <laughs> no with Randy. <laughs> That's so adorable. The two of them. <laughs> he moves. He moves, moves to, to New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, it's a becomes chief of police in some little town in New Jersey. Oh, it's so it's such a perfect ending for all those characters. Oh yeah, that but was like, a show that also had a perfect ending. Yeah, and one thing that I, that I liked about it, right, with the with the like about his illness, and again, we can talk about the sensitivity and it was in portrayal. Hector Elizondo was the replacement. Yeah, was the replacement. Thank you. Oh God, that was it bothering took me, me so ages much. Ages to remember. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, the, the loss of Stanley Kamel, like the show could never quite recover from that because their chemistry was so good. Yes. But if you had, to, I mean, he died. He didn't leave the show. You know, they didn't write him out. He died and they had to do something. And Hector Elizondo did fantastically. Like he was posed with an impossible job and he did fantastically in that impossible job. Yes. He was never, and, Dr. Bell was never going to make us forget Stanley Camel, you know? Well, no, and here's the thing, is that they took the difficulty of the having to replace. And they made it part of the narrative. And they made it part of the narrative. That was the yeah. brilliance of the writing room in this. In this oh, no, they did a great job. 
they did a great job. I mean, we're sitting here talking about Monk only because. Well, well there's a reason for it. I think there's a good reason for it. And what I'll say is I can see someone at USA Network watching, you know, like looking at this pitch of touching evil and saying it's like Monk, but gritty. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I could see someone think that because that is because when I'm thinking about that, their lead characters have these problems. Yeah, um, and in some ways, they they have very similar um, responses to other people. They no longer know how to react. I mean, Monk never really, never really knew how, but this guy has lost the ability to react appropriately. Yeah, and so they're both they both actually have the same problem. Mm-hmm. And in and they are put in two very very different situations. And, Incredibly uh, different, some might say. Yeah, well, totally and completely like yeah. comparison with the storylines. But yeah, it's true. I mean, if they if you were to talk about how they pitched it, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, it's that the pitch would have been yeah, it's he's he's kind of a guy like Monk with this severe. Uh, processing disability, disability. Processing. Yeah. and he's brilliant and he sees things like nobody else does and it's like they've tried so many times to fit stuff into the monk mold and I honestly think you can say that this can be read as one of their attempts to build something in the monk mold yeah but you but the thing is is that monk is monk oh, it's just like you cannot replace the mentalist no I mean those are the shows that um the mentalist was just amazing oh yeah it's a perfect uh, it's a perfect uh tv show yeah i from beginning to end just just incredible from beginning to end and again so, simon baker just a uniquely great lead yes luke but unique you, yeah. yeah yeah i was and then to see cyril in the mentalist I know. that's how this all inter interrelates with yeah. one another if you think that we're not yeah, that we're uh, not all thinking about the right. No, we're we're on point. Don't worry. Yeah, Cyril. You remember what show we're talking about? Oh. He played JJ Laroche, delightful character JJ oh, Laroche. So yes. <laughs> you just love to hate. Oh, such or a fantastic hate, character. Or you hate to love. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> so great, and his relationship with Patrick is consistently one of the most interesting things on the show. Yeah, because and again the. the Again, we're not we're not going to cover the Mentalist. It's it's seven seasons of twenty episodes a season, and there's only a few of them that are completely worth talking about it. But it has a unique worldview, yeah, right, uh, that you just don't see in these shows. In that it is fundamentally like they got away with making a show that is a about a guy battling a police union. Like that's the premise of the show. Yeah, is one man's. I mean. You don't know that's what it's about when you start it. You have it, no we're spoiler no, alerting mentalists too. Yeah. You have no idea where this show is going when you start nope. it. Because how could you? But fundamentally, it is a show about a man battling a police union. Like that's the plot of the show. And it is a show, and this is the crazy part that that is what, you know, puts it out from everything else. It is a show that is fine with revenge. Yeah. That is 100% fine with revenge that says, if you are wronged, we're like, it is a show that says, uh, the legal system is inherently corrupt and only serves the powerful, 
But if you get the correct person, the uh, legal system, you can use the legal system to enact some higher concept of justice. But the, the legal system offers no inherent value and is not about justice. Like, if you watch The Mentalist, the vast majority of the time, the killer is a rich person or a cop. Yep. Just a weirdly large amount of time. And the ultimate villain of the show is a police union. Yeah, and um, and you have the, the female lead who is by the book. Yep. But sort of nicely by the book, but slowly having to learn a few things herself. Yeah, about how you know. the world really works. Yeah, and she, well, she comes from a family of cops. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, just a family of abusive drunks. Yes, that was it. And yeah. so she's like, she's yeah. going to have power no matter what. And yeah. the, what's the best way to do that? Become a cop. Become a cop. It's like, <laughs> do you know what, uh, do you know what's included? I mean, this is uh, related to our suspicion of cops. So Eric Adams, the terrible mayor of New York. Do you know why he became a cop? No. Here's a true story from his autobiography. Well, he says it's true, and if you wrote something this unflattering about yourself, I can't imagine why it would be a lie. He was in a gang as a kid, and when he was like 12, 13 years old, he got caught, you know, doing a vandalism or some kind of graffiti as part of his gang activities, and he got brought in by a couple of cops. Uh, and... <laughs> And those cops beat the hell out of these two children because they're cops and that's what cops do. Mm -hmm. And so while they were getting beat up after they'd been beat up for a while, a black cop, these are two white cops, came in and said, okay, you've hit him enough. Kick these guys loose. And he's like, and the white cops did what he said. <laughs> and so we walked out and my friend was like, F these cops. And I'm like, uh, you think we have power in the neighborhood because we're a gang? Cops can come in anytime they want. And just beat us up and nothing happens to them. I want that kind of power. Yes. And by the way, this is why he said he wanted to be a cop. This is not someone, you know, making an indictment of a psychopath. This is no. his own story about why he became a cop. Yeah, he saw where the power lied. He saw where the power was and he was desperate for power. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. And that's to a certain extent. Teresa Lisbon, not a bad person, but she wanted power and she wanted to never be a victim again. Yeah. Dealing with this, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, dealing with... Wayne, you know, on the show, Wayne became a cop to get back at his uh, outlaw biker dad. Yeah. You know, Joe became a cop. Right? Joe became a cop because it was, you know, go to the army or go to jail for being in a gang. And when you get out of the army, there aren't a lot of jobs open to you other than cop. Yes, There's not a lot of other careers you can jump into. Like every, like even the cops on that show, nobody's a cop for a good reason. And that's why it's so interesting. Like Patrick is there helping them for, for bad reasons to get personal revenge. And yeah. he's very open about that. But if you look at all the cops on the show, none of them are cops for a good reason. None of them have an inherent belief in the value of policing or polite society. Well, except for what's-her-face, the red Grace. Head. Grace is the one who wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believes in the myths of policing because yeah. she's, you know, a good Midwestern girl, you know, yeah. whose dad was a football coach. Yeah. That kind of thing. Right? Yeah. 
And so she has a hard time with this group. She has the hardest time of anybody of dealing with Patrick because she believes that there's a reason to do things the right way. Oh, God. And when she gets, oh. Yeah. And it goes interesting places, doesn't it? it no. It, I mean, they did interesting things with her and it was so sad. It is. Oh, she survives. No, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. Everybody gets a happy ending. It's the mentalist. Yeah. You it's, know, the it's not a bleak show. Yeah. You know, but like but, you look like a show, you look at a show like that and you're saying, how did they get away with being so critical of policing? You know, that with being the wire level of critical of policing while on a CBS procedural, it's insane. And, you know, cracker level <laughs> critical of policing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, so that kind of show can happen. And these, these unique energy. And I the thing feel- is, I'm not saying that this would have grown into a show that was critical of policing. It's it's an American show, and American shows have a really... That is like the the Rubicon people dare not cross, and that's why it's so bold that Bruno, Bruno Heller got away with it. Well, you know why? It's because of, of Simon Baker. Oh, he yeah. Makes, he makes that show work. It's, it's, he's so incredibly so watchable. You don't even know when you're while you're watching it that it's being so critical of policing. No, you would never notice. System, you don't notice it. The justice system, yes, okay, yeah. every now and then, you know. And there's the little things that Patrick does. Patrick Jane is the character's name, and it's not until the end, and then you look back and you just go, "Oh, oh it's been saying this the whole there. time." It was there the whole time. These cops are corrupt as hell. There is literally an episode where a girl kills her abusive father and they have to spend the whole episode figuring it out. I'm not going to get into the details. And, you know, uh, and Patrick's point of view is, okay, but why charge her? Yeah. Like, he was abusive and after 18 months, the court is going to find her not guilty for doing this. But that's going to be 18 months of her life she has to spend in juvie and in the system and being traumatized. If we know she's not going to go to jail to us and there's, by the way, a dead cop we can frame for this crime, (laughs) why not just let it go? (laughs) Like, there's a dead corrupt cop we can frame for this crime and she can just go home. Why not let her just go home? Yes. She, you know, she needs therapy. She doesn't need law enforcement. Yeah, and that is... It and was that's a, the show's worldview. Yes, and, and that's the thing that people would focus on. Yeah. And people would agree with. Like, when those decisions, when Patrick steps up and makes... Most of the decisions that Patrick steps up and makes that are going against what cops should do, because yeah. he's not a cop. Nope. Okay, so that goes against... And sometimes, most of the time they follow him. Not always. Not always. But, you know, so, and then whatever, what's, what's her name? Robin, uh, Tony's name. Teresa. Teresa. Yeah, Teresa. Teresa Lisbon. Teresa Lisbon, yeah. So Teresa, of course, um, but every now and then they do break the ranks and don't follow. Um, yeah, procedure. That's how. I, now that we're talking about it, this is the only time we'll do this. Yeah, yeah we're not covering the mentalist long form on this show. Oh, but we, when it comes up, it's yeah, it's too important not to talk about. Because it it is a very very very. I rewatched it. Uh, I think last year because it's thought, so anti comp. 
and and you cannot you do not see it as you're watching it is as i said it's only until you get to the end and all of the pieces then start to fit in fill in Mm -hmm. like certainly bruno heller like our showrunner here worked this out completely yeah way in advance because you have no sense that it was unplanned. Like it's so weird when they start working for the FBI. Yeah. For example, right? Well, but that's when they were pitching and how the show can continue after the main plot is over. Yeah. Like, can we still do the show? And I'm I'm gonna say it. Uh, Mentalist 2.0 was a really good show that could have run forever. Like yeah, I would have kept watching been, that indefinitely. It could have been like. Um, it could have been like you know just one of these shows that goes on forever as long as Simon Baker wanted to do it. Yeah. It it is interesting because it that is the that that is the Kira Sedgwick and Mary. Yeah, exactly. Show. Like they rebooted the show. Yeah. The, yes, a major crimes is what we're trying to say. We're we're major trying to come crimes. up with the name major crimes. Yeah. It, no, you're right. It could have been a major crime situation where they just kept doing the show indefinitely. I mean, there they lost Kira Sedgwick, and this would not have survived the loss of Patrick Jane. You know, no. Simon Baker leaving would have killed the show, and in fact, I you know maybe that's part of why it did kill the show. Who knows? I don't know the story for why. Well, he has a beautiful house in Australia. (laughs) Maybe that's why. Somehow or another. Well, he's Australian, right? I know. Yeah, of course. And and um, I don't know where I saw it. It must have been in some magazine or whatever. In some gorgeous house, you know that uh, they had hello, for example. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that isn't. It's interesting to talk about this only because there isn't wasn't much to say about the episode except. Except that we were sad to see it go, and it well, has and but I mean to to connect it slightly. I think that if like this show had had a chance, because as we've been saying, like we talked about with Monk, how Monk is structurally a similar show to this. Yeah, it is. It is, but at the end of every episode of Monk. You know, you get a couple of jokes. There's a comedic through line in the episode that gets paid yeah. off. And like, because remember, in an episode of yeah. Monk, it doesn't end when he catches the guy. He catches the guy. And then they finish off the comedic storyline that they were all also doing that week on Monk. Yeah. It is a much safer version of the same basic pieces. Yeah. And, and I think you're right that the only thing that hurt this show, the only thing that kept this show from succeeding was that it was on a network where fundamentally there did not exist an audience for this show. Yeah. There was no audience for the show touching evil on the USA network. And it's as simple as that. And it's like, yeah, the USA network used to show reruns of silk stockings and, you know, they would have, you know, they occasionally attempt a gritty crime drama, but fundamentally this isn't like the stars network. With their endless shows about drug dealers. Are you familiar with the Power franchise? No. And I don't want to be. I mean, it's not bad, but you know, it's very much just about like they do all of these shows about crime and they're, they're fine shows. I'm not complaining about the shows, but it's like if you would put Touching Evil on a stars, it would have fit right in. Yeah. And there would have been an audience for it. But it's like, fundamentally, I think the thing that killed this show was it was on the wrong network. 
And you know? they had, yeah, they must have had Jeffrey Donovan under contract. Something like that. And they couldn't sell it anywhere else. Yeah. Cause who knows? You know, it's like maybe when they, maybe when they brought it to, uh, maybe when they brought it to USA in the first place, they, they were like, okay, but it's got to star Jeffrey Donovan, which turned out to be the perfect choice. He's amazing on this show. Yeah. But I would love to see it here if they tried to sell it somewhere else afterwards. And if like Jeffrey Donovan would have been, you know, held up at stars or what the situation was. Cause it's like USA. Yeah. USA. Sorry. Yes. USA network. Like, cause this show, like he, is it, is it oversimplification to say that he elevates the part? Yeah. No, it's not. It's not right. He, because he... it's the same. I mean, yes, it's a more complex most character of, than Robson Green was playing. Yeah, but and most of the and mo, remember most of the plots. But most of the plots do. and most of the texts are the text are the same. Yeah, and they, even a lot of Dave's dialogue is the same. Yeah, but he does something. But Donovan himself does something different, even with the dialogue. Even exactly, even with the dialogue, he's he's a man who is sympathetic of other people and he's unsure of himself. And that is the opposite of Dave Cregan in the original. Yep. This Dave Cregan has empathy and he doesn't know if he's doing the right thing. Whereas the original Dave Cregan was a dirt bag who was way too, you know, who was always, you know, uh, telling everybody else how they should be doing things. If he did the right thing, it was an accident. (laughs) I mean, you're completely right. I would not, I had not planned to say it that way, but you are completely no, right. If Dave Cregan, the original, ever did the right thing, it's because he stumbled ass backwards into it. Yeah. So it's right, completely it is, right. Yeah. And it is, um, so it, it is tort, but yeah, I, it would have been, it would have been, we would have sef- definitely watched it, but I will tell you, it might have even not lasted. Think of Murder One. Yeah. Because, you know, there was a show too that was really good, but mm-hmm. it was gritty. It was unpleasant in so many ways. Oh, God. Yeah. And it lasted two seasons. Yeah. And I'm sure one of those seasons starred Pruitt Taylor Vince, just FYI. Yes. Big flashy role for him early on. Yeah. No, we, uh, yes. We loved Murder One. Yes. But yeah. again, sometimes I can see, I mean, it's like all of, all of those little sideshows that we've been doing that, have, yeah. that only lasted a season, like the yeah. profiling criminal minds, right? Yep. And all the like, what well, famous show unsub? Yeah, that's what that's what I call unsub, right? Yeah, early like, criminal it minds. The, yeah. It was the uh, prototype for criminal minds. It is in a very real way. It is. Yeah, and um, then you had the inside. You have these shows that are just too difficult to watch, and I think British audiences can accept that in a way Americans can't. Yeah, like the culture is just so. And you, you say that. But you know, uh, uh, the Breaking Bad was a giant hit. Yes, but that was on HBO, and I still think that that because it dealt with it wasn't. It was on I AMC. Think... It was on AMC. It was not on HBO. It was on AMC. Okay, AMC. But what I would tell you about that with Breaking Bad, yeah, 
is that it had it wasn't gritty in the same way it had a lot of this excitement well first of all brian brian cranston is a national treasure who everybody already loved yes right everybody loved loved him anyway so they were going to take whatever they they could get with Brian more Brian Cairns. Okay, okay I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with that point. Okay, and and I mean he did, he did. I mean it was horrible. What oh yeah. But you had these characters, the writers, well as we know Vince Gilligan. I yeah. mean these writers managed to humanize all these guys. Yeah. And it, you know, so you had the gunfights and you had the bad guys were were really kind of the. You the know, worst of the worst loathsome. The, stereo, the stereotypical uh, Mexican gangs. Yep. You know, and then there's Giancarlo Esposito, Esposito as this playing mix. Yeah. everyone's favorite character. Yeah, you know. And, or Jonathan Banks. If it, or no, sorry, there are Giancarlo uh, Esposito people and there are Jonathan Banks people. And yeah. it's tough to decide who the best character is. Yes, but without Brian Cranston. Yeah. Right? Anchoring it. Yeah, yeah. no, and, I see your and, point. Anchoring the thing, and it, it is just, it doesn't have the same bite that Touching Evil or Cracker No, does. it doesn't. It is it is a more of a heightened adventure story that does not stop to really consider the horrible ramifications of what's going on. Yes, you know, I mean, it's, it's a show that's bipolar. Yeah. It's on a high. It's bipolar and on a high, and it, yeah. it, it never thinks about the consequences and then the and then the, the the low of bipolar is better call Saul. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's telling the same story except about all of the real people whose lives were destroyed by Walter White's ego. Yeah. You know. You can read it like the two are the the two parts of a bipolar episode. Yeah. Breaking Bad is the high and Better Call better Saul call is the low. <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't help myself. No, you're absolutely, I mean, it's a great analogy. I'm not going to find fault in that. Because it's like, cause it, and that's the thing. It's like, if you only watch, because everything is from the point of view of Walter White, yeah, right? The whole show's worldview is informed by him. And allowing you to look at that world from the outside and from all these different characters' point of views in the show Better Call Saul, you get a much more rich and nuanced view of that world. And you can never watch Breaking Bad the same way after you've seen Better Call Saul. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exact because Better Call Saul is so... It recontextualizes every single thing about Breaking Bad. And of the two, if you were saying, I'm only going to watch... I mean, I can't imagine anyone saying this, but if you were going to say, I'm only ever going to watch one of these two shows, you would point everyone to Better Call Saul because it's a better show. Oh, yeah, and it ends, uh, I mean, it, it has a satisfactory ending. It has a perfect ending. Yes. Oh. And Better Call Saul has the ending it deserves. Yeah. Which Absolutely. means it's a crappy ending. Yeah. <laughs> this man doesn't, like, Jimmy McGill doesn't deserve a happy ending, is what it comes down to. That is the message of that show. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and only the you know the anybody who tries to be decent in this world is gonna suffer. <laughs> it's a bleak show, but we love it. We're not gonna but pretend if, we don't love it. But if you look at it like if you look at it against some of the like, just think of Silent Witness, like yeah. 
fundamentalist, we are not going to watch. Right? No, no, we're not going to cover all. But you look that at that, would be insane. and everybody watches that, and that is, and yeah. and okay, and and just take a look at things like, um, um, Endeavor. Yeah, right? Endeavor. So the early years of Detective Morse. Inspector Morse, sorry. Inspector Morse. Inspector right. Morse, the early years. Oh. Which is going to run until he's the age Inspector Morse was when Inspector Morse started. Yeah. Well, I feel like I, that show is just going to like segue right into him just being Inspector Morse at some point. Because well, we're what, that, na- we're what, 10 seasons in now? Yeah, well, I think it was supposed to be the last season. I think they, they like, it. it is like Doc Martin. Everybody wants to keep watching it. Yeah. Um. And I think that, but Inspector Morse, come on. Yeah. I mean, what they didn't do to that poor guy. And like, yeah, that was, blood. that was an ordeal. You know, there was somebody who, uh, like I was taking a look at different, at some, some of the places and things that people were downloading and somebody went to ours. I could figure it out. And I mean, what they downloaded was wire in the blood. Yeah. Right, because this is it's such such a good show. It is, but Inspector Morse was in such. I mean, it was the ending that it had to be, but all you could do was friggin' cry. Yeah, I mean, he, oh. he died of cancer. Yeah, uh, at the end, but he was old, and oh, he yeah. actually died alone. And I know it was just so. That, you know, it is. Um, but it is It is the nature of British TV, and it is very different from American TV. And then Canadian TV, as somebody said, wrote me and said, is such and such a show Canadian? And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, I thought so because of the lighting. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. There's a Canadian sensibility, right? There is. And um, Canadian shows, I'm not, I'm not sure. They're, they're this weird mix. Yeah. They're, they're not American shows, but some of them, you know, Americans are enjoying thoroughly because they can, because it's more, it's more, it's similar to the American structure, like Da Vinci. Oh, Da Vinci was the best. You know. And then what was the, sh- there was the show called Diamonds. Oh yeah, Diamonds was fantastic. That's what Nicholas uh, Campbell did before Da Vinci's Inquest and a bunch of other stuff. He's had a, he's had quite a career. Well, Diamonds is fun. Plus, plus the fact is that his real name is Cage, isn't it? No, Campbell Nicholas Campbell. No, no, it's something else. Nicholas Campbell. He chose the name for some weird reason, but that's not important. No, um it doesn't matter. No, no. Uh, but yeah, he's he's wonderful. And then they uh, and then they another show uh, just did Diamonds again with celebrities, you know, starting their own detective agency. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's what's his face from the, the States who's decided he really loves Toronto. Yeah. Um, come on. Tell me who it is. I'm blanking on the name. But yes. Oh, my. Uh, oh, so embarrassing. It was it wasn't he from either. 90210 or something? Yeah, um, oh god, uh, it's uh, Jason Priestley. That's it, Jason Priestley. Oh no, and he is originally Canadian, it's just he worked in America for so long that everybody forgot he was actually Canadian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm back home. Oh yeah. 
and uh, come on back home and just do television here. We'll be happy to have you. <laughs> like Jerry O'Connell, who, you know, had a nice show out in what, Alberta? That was fun and it didn't last long enough. It's too bad, but it was very fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very fun show. But yeah, and we're we're going over all these shows because like, yes, there's not a lot to talk about at the end. And yes, we've already made it clear how much we love touching evil. But the thing is, at the end of the day, this is one of those shows where it's like you watch Unsub and you're like, I understand why this was too bleak for people in 1988. Yeah. Right. And you watch The Inside. And you can say, I understand how this was too strange for a Fox audience, right? Yeah. But the weird part about touch, uh, about Touching Evil is, this is, the, of all of them, this is the one where I can clearly say, had you just put this on another network? Because yeah. Jeffrey Donovan is so obviously a star, and so obviously someone people would be happy to watch every week on this show, that it's, I really feel like, had it been on anything but USA, any place where there might have been a home for it, you know, like HBO or like even in a network in a slightly toned down version. Yeah. I, I feel like this thing could have run for years. Yeah. And the reason I know that is Criminal Minds did run for years. <laughs> yeah. Criminal Minds ran for 15 years and all Criminal Minds is, is a, you know, uh, a toned down version of the kind of worldview that this show was offering. Yeah. You know? And uh, I, I really would have liked to see this keep going. And it's too bad. And of course, it, you know, was smart enough to uh, put in Mandy Patinkin, who's a big star, and Shamar Moore, who's a big star. That was also a really good choice. Like, you think about the first episode of Criminal Minds, like, two of the two of the cast members are coming off big shows, like, uh, Darman Gregg had just ended and Shamar Moore was like a soap opera mainstay. Yeah. Right. And then Mandy Patinkin is, you know, Mandy unbelievably famous superstar Mandy Patinkin. That was a show where like three of the six cast members were big stars in the first episode. Yeah. And we love Jeffrey Donovan. He wasn't a big star. No. Not yet. So, well, no, not yet. And the thing is, and I mean, you can say it as simple as that. Like, who are they promote? Like, what are they promoting this show around? Yeah. You know? That's true. I had You could yeah. promote Criminal Minds. You could trick people into watching Criminal Minds and get them addicted by saying, we got big stars on this show. Yeah. They tried to ha cast Henry Thomas as, uh, not Henry Thomas. Um, Oh, God. Uh, you know, the kid from Elliot from E.T. Oh, well, I don't remember. Yeah, you know, but it's like he plays the hitchhiker killer at the end of the first episode. They tried to cast, uh, him as, uh, him as Reed. You know, they tried to stack that thing with celebrities. Yeah. To get the coverage and get the eyeballs on. It was a really smart thing to do because as much as the good things we've said about this show, this is, you know, the first regular series role, I think, for Bradley Cooper. None of the people on this show was a star. Nope. And I'll say this, like, and I'm not saying this was the right person for it, but imagine you could get someone the caliber of a Brian Cox type to play the guy in charge of the unit. Yeah. Like, if you'd gotten, like, rest of the cast, and this is nothing against Zach Renier. I love Zach Renier. I think he's very entertaining. He was on The Good Wife and The Good Fight, and he's, like, his David Lee is just one of the funniest characters on television. 
I'm a big fan of Zach Grenier, but if you kept the rest of the cast exactly the same, because I don't know who else, what big star I would want to see taken over for Jeffrey Donovan, right? Yeah. Uh, no, he 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 made this role his own. Absolutely. I, there's like, there's I, nobody. I, we don't even think about Robson Green in this part anymore. We are only thinking of Jeffrey Donovan when we think about this character. What I'm saying is like, keep him, keep Vera Farmiga in her breakout part. Uh, you know, what could have been her breakout part, but then she got up in the air and she got an Oscar nomination or an Oscar. I don't remember. But the point is, right? She like, she did very well for herself after this. Jeffrey Donovan did very well for himself after this. Bradley Cooper did incredibly well for him after this. So you take the exact same cast. And you take out the boss and you put in a celebrity you can advertise the show around. And you put it on a network. And I think this thing runs for years and years and years. Yeah, it it might. Okay. But they did put a celebrity in on um, Peter Coyote on the inside. Yeah, that's true. But I think Peter, I think the inside was too bleak for television. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing that happens in the first episode (laughs) of the inside is we find out that the profiler of the team has killed herself by tearing the skin off of her hands. And stabbing her. She's gone crazy. She's gone crazy. From the pressures of the job. And then they recruit, uh, you know, a mentally damaged... (laughs) <laughs> you know, who is not a profiler perpetual victim who is not a profiler <laughs> that show was too crazy to last i loved it you love it it was too crazy for fun well it was it was devastating i mean the one there was one episode as you remember people could go back and listen to this to us talking about i it, yeah. i mean and i just fell apart oh god it was sort of it was a, a whole other I can't even remember which one it was now. I'd have to go back and listen to the, to, yeah. to our, our episode. Our takes on it. Right. My, um, my discussion because it was, it was really tough. It was probably, you know, I don't know. It might not have been as tough on me as when we did Spotlight. Nothing was as tough ago. as you, on you as when we did Spotlight. Yeah. That was, that was very, very, um, I think no one could argue with that, but yeah, it's going to be rough. It it was, it was rough. It wasn't rough the first time I watched it. Not like that. And it was just that this, it, it, I was in a place, I guess, where it just. Well, and you knew you were going to be talking about it. So you really dug into everything. Yeah. And it, it, um, and plus I, of course, already started to think about doing this, this book thing. Yeah. And so you put all that together and it's it's going to hit you like a hammer. Yeah, and it did. But even so, the like I think it's safe to say that this show is more accessible than the inside was. Mhm. It's much more accessible. Oh, yeah. We love the inside, but I I can easily tell you, right, that no, I mean most people wouldn't find it easy to take or want to kind of watch it. You know, almost after the first one, go, oh, my God, this is just too, too much. It's too much. But you put that on cable, maybe you have a chance, as long as it's not the USA Network. Whereas this, you make a couple of cuts, you drop it on CBS, I think you'd have a hit. Yeah. You know, because, again, you don't even have to say that's a theory. Criminal Minds has proved that I'm right. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with Unsub was just too soon. Yeah. 
unsub was just too soon. That would have been a hit 10 years later or yeah, even five I, years later. For heaven's sakes, it starred David Soul. Yeah. Wait five years on unsub and unsub's a hit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It was just, it got there too early. And that <laughs> I need a guy who brings the donuts. So perfect. Yes, but that said, uh, you know what? For all the tragedy, we got pre-filer. We got one of the best episodes of television that's ever been made, <laughs> pre-filer. <laughs> Starring Michael Emerson in my favorite performance of his career. <laughs> oh, so amazing. <clears throat> all right. So, yes. That was Touching Evil. We're sad to see it go. And we're going to be back next week to follow it up with the only thing you could follow Touching Evil with. Cop Rock. <laughs> which, unlike Touching Evil, which you're going to have to, like, really search for on the internet. Sorry about that. Uh, you can just go watch Cop Rock on YouTube right now. Yeah, somebody put like, it up. And no it one's trying to them. stop you. And before you judge it for the songs, okay? Because you're going to want to judge it for the songs. And I get why you're going to want to judge it for the songs, okay? No one's even saying you shouldn't. But I'm going to tell you a quick story about uh, Cop Rock, which is the show's writing and acting was thought of so well at the network that nine episodes in, no, I think eight episodes in, they were just getting ready to, you know, cancel it. Right? Nobody was watching it. No, no, but do you know what the head of NBC said? What? If you take out the songs, we'll let you finish the season in this time slot, and you'll probably get a season two. We will do a full relaunch of the show. Same characters, same plot lines. Everything about the show is the same. Just remove the songs. You get to keep doing the show, and we'll promote it so heavily that it'll probably get a season two go forward, maybe indefinitely. Obviously, we'll change the title. <laughs> and Bachigo said, no, it is what it is. I'll go and I'll figure out some other way to tell the kind of stories I wanted to tell on Cop Rock. And the show we came up with to tell the kind of stories you want to tell on Cop Rock was a little show called NYPD Blue. Yep. So you're going to want to judge it. For the songs. And I understand that you're going to want to judge it. But like, watch the actors, listen to the story they're telling, and engage with the show in a way that you're going to want to not. Because it's a cop musical. And I have to admit, the first time they break out the song... Right in the first episode. Wait, what? What am I watching? And that's a good question. What are you watching? You're watching something that I'd say had no precedent, but the crazy part is people have forgotten this, but at the same time as Cop Rock, there was a show called Hull High that, that came out the same month that was also a musical, but this one was a drama set in a high school. Well, let me put it this way. It was too soon. It was it too ended soon. ended up with Glee. Glee was hugely popular. And I'm going to say it. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I don't think you've seen, is one of the great shows of the past 10 years. Mm. You should watch it. It's a show that's entirely about uh, mental health and is beautiful. And unlike Glee, which is just a jukebox musical that picked out songs to do the emotions, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, four seasons, 158 original songs. Yeah, well, you know what else did that is um, Nashville. Yeah, lots and lots of original songs. Except Nashville is set in the world of music, whereas Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a musical. Yeah. you know, And that's the difference. 
yeah, so that yeah, the the music was more well, it was integral, but it was it was it was good. It was all original music in Nashville too, which of course you had to. You can't have them. It's all about these people's musical careers. You can't have them singing other people's songs. That wouldn't make sense. No, and so it was. But I mean, it was the problem there too. Was the lead decided that eh, she didn't want it, and and Powers Booth died. Yeah, Powers Booth died, and the lead didn't want to do it anymore. So you know, that's so, kind of a two strikes against the show. Yeah, well, I mean, it was just a twofer that that killed the show over in. Basically, season three. Yeah, it makes Howard sense. Booth. Oh, actually, we should do um, one day. One day, we should just talk about, um, you know, Deadwood. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. That's who where I go for Powers Booth. No, I. Um, he tragically had died before the Deadwood movie, which his his presence was missed. Sorely missed. Yes. Yeah. No. Again. No, no. I, what I'm thinking of is the movie with Bill, Bill Paxton. Powers Why am I blanking on this? Faith. Um. Oh well, right. Of course, of course. Frailty. Frailty. Yeah, no. We're, we're definitely going to cover frailty. We really should. Because it's entirely like it's Bill Paxton made himself a Bible allegory. Yes, a Bible allegory, and about a serial killer. About a serial killer, and that's that's all we're going to say if you haven't seen it. I mean, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll, we're definitely going to be covering faith, uh, frailty at some point. Yeah. yeah. Powers Booth, I always forget, is in that, as is Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Yeah. There yes. you go. In an early Matthew McConaughey role. All yeah. right. So uh, join us back here next week for Comp Rock. And then after that, uh, Comp Rock is going to be going to Tuesdays because it's a bonus show and it's not about profiling. We are going to watch all of it, but we're not going to be putting in the main Thursday show bracket. That is going to be taking... Uh, taken up by a show that is about profiling and the the troubled and misunderstood show Millennium is going to be back in two weeks. So look forward to checking out Millennium. Let's get depressed one more time. <laughs> one more time. Uh, all right. And by the way, um, people will say good things about Darren Morgan's um, X-Files episodes. And they are great. Like, they're all great. But I maintain that his two best episodes in that world were Jose Chung's Doomsday Defense wow. and Somehow Satan Got Behind Me. Oh, That he yeah. did in, like, there were two Darren Morgan episodes in one season of Millennium, and they're both perfect. Oh. Or wait, one of them might have been in the first season. I will check and I will look. Because it doesn't when, matter. Jose Chung's, he did a whole episode of che uh, at television about Scientology, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> we'll get there, to quote you. Yep, we will get there. All right. Uh, for now, though, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you were listening to this on an app or podcatcher, please rate and review it. That's how people find out about the show. We'll see you back here next week for episode one and two of Cup Rock. <laughs> uh, as Bye. always, thanks for listening. We'll uh, see you then. But until then, au revoir. Have a good week again. <laughs>